Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Hi, Keith. Hi. Christmas is just around the corner, as is New Year's. 2020 is almost over. Can't wait for it to be over with. (laughs) Need this year in the rear view mirror. Nothing Um, magical is going to happen January 1st, but yes, I agree. I mean, who knows? Anything can happen. Remember how we all thought at the (laughs) end of 1999, every computer was going to go like kaput and like break down? Yes, I do remember that. Anything can happen. You know, it's just, you know, (laughs) I don't know. All right. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, as we close out 2020, we've got a special Ask Billboard crossover edition of the podcast, where we're plundering the Ask Billboard inbox, and we'll be answering questions posed by Billboard readers with a little help from Ask Billboard Editor, Senior Director of Billboard Charts, and Hot 100 Chart Manager, Gary Trust. That's right, and all questions are from Billboard Chart fans, just like you. And mm-hmm. if you ever want to submit a question to the recurring Ask Billboard column on Billboard.com, all you have to do is email askbb at Billboard.com, or you can just tweet at Gary on Twitter. He's at GTHOT20. <laughs> why, why wasn't he like GTHOT100? I guess that was taken. I, that's, a, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. So with all that said, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. And full disclosure, as we are recording this episode of the show a bit earlier than normal, for all the week's latest chart news, make sure to visit billboard.com slash chart dash beat. We should just make that. We should just get rid of that hyphen someday. We should probably do that. <laughs> just makes sense, right? 
I don't know. <laughs> I, we could probably make that request. So uh, noted. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Uh, Gary pulled a couple questions from the Ask Billboard inbox and graciously even answered some of them for us. Gary, you are forever number one in our eyes. And our honorary Pop Shop co-host for the day. Yeah, I mean, your, your voice isn't here, but you, you wrote half the darn show, so hey. <laughs> well, our first question is from Pablo Nelson of Oakland, California. Pablo writes, Excellent that Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad has entered the Billboard Hot 100's top 10 this week. He meant a week ago. Uh, that's a nice 50th anniversary gift for Feliciano, who first released the song in 1970. Plus, it happens a week after another Puerto Rican, Bad Bunny, achieved the first-ever all-Spanish-language album number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. My question, the only other time that Feliciano charted in the Hot 100's Top 10 was way back in 1968, with his cover of The Doors' Light My Fire, a number three hit for him. So that's quite a gap, over 52 years. Is that a record for any artist with the longest break between Top 10's? Well, okay, for, can we just start with, like, that's a very educated question, Pablo. Thank you so much. Seriously, yes. <laughs> that's well-researched. We really, we love, we love your interest. Oh, that's all you had to say? Well, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to big up that question. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to delay getting to the answer, but I guess also, um, yeah, just 50 years of Feliz Navidad is, is an amazing achievement, and the fact that it got to the top 10 for the first time ever... This year is nuts. At least 50 años. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, here is your answer, courtesy of Gary. This is impressive, but not a record. In 2018, Burl Ives returned to the Hot 100's top 10 after a record-breaking 56 years, 7 months, and 2 weeks with A Holly Jolly Christmas. Ives had last hit the Hot 100's top 10 in 1962, with his sole two other top tens, Funny Way of Laughing, a number 10 hit that May, and A Little Bitty Tear, which reached number 9 that February. And for good measure, as Mr. Ives died in 1995, what about the longest gap between top tens for a living artist? Well, that would be from someone with another Christmas tune, Brenda Lee. In 2018, Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree became her 13th Hot 100 Top 10, and first since 1963, when Losing You reached number six. So, she ended a 55-year and seven-month break between Top 10s, the longest among women and second overall only to Ives. Wow. I think I'm not surprised at all that basically Christmas is Christmas. the answer to this question, Christmas, right? baby. Christmas, baby. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Christmas, uh, baby, please come home. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Darlene will be the next one. Um, okay, so next up, we have a question from Jesper Tan in Malaysia. Yeah. This is, I love it. And it's a global edition. So Jesper's question is, as Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You returns to number one on the Hot 100 this week, again, this is last week for those listening, her new version of Oh Santa featuring Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson debuts at number 76. How does the new recording compare to the original in terms of chart performance? Okay, so Gary's got an answer to this one, too. I feel like this was an interesting tidbit. I feel like Oh Santa 
being at number 76 was kind of surprising for some people. Was that just me? Maybe it was just me. Mm -hmm. Depends. It depends on what you were hoping for. I don't know. That's fair. So Gary responds, every 10 years, Mariah takes a version of Oh Santa to number one on Billboard's charts. More on that in a second. Uh, so the original Mariah-only version spent a week at number 100 on the Hot 100 in the 2010 to 2011 holiday season after its original release that year. So upon its Hot 100 debut, the update has already surpassed the peak of Mariah's original. Okay. The original O Santa topped Billboard's adult contemporary chart for four weeks in 2010. Ah, there's to the number one in 2010. There we go. Indeed. And the new version is already a number one itself because it debuted atop the holiday digital song sales chart, as yeah. it also debuts at number 17 on adult contemporary. So, you know, 76 and 100 on the Hot 100, but then charting on these individual charts. So, Mariah, like normal, Queen of Christmas, Queen of Charts. It, it just, with the queen it's just how it is. <laughs> All right. So our next question is from Jake Rivera via Twitter. And he asks, The weekend's Blinding Lights is still in the Hot 100's top 10, returning to the region on the latest December 19th dated chart for a record-extending 42nd total week in the top 10. Interestingly, the song ranks in the top 10 in its 54th overall week on the chart. Has any other song charted in the top 10 in its 54th overall week on the chart? Oh, okay. So <laughs> Wait, that's did I get, just did like I mess it? that question up? No, no, no. You got it right. Okay. It's just, you have to like, sort of like pause and be like, all right. So has any song, okay. So has any song like been on the chart a this long and then B been in the top 10 at yeah. that length? Cause like Leanne Rhymes, how do I live was on the chart for like a bajillion years, but it wasn't in the top 10 and it's like 50th week or something it probably fallen yeah. down the chart by that point got it i did right. slightly i did slightly mess the question up the, the last line is has any other song charted in the top 10 so late in its chart run i.e also after a full year on the chart we're dealing with 54 weeks there's 52 weeks in a year so so gary responds lights is still shining bright i was hoping we get some good gary puns in here <laughs> and no other song is charted in the Hot 100's top 10 at such an advanced age. That's a kind way of putting it. So Imagine Dragons Radioactive last ranked in the top 10 in its 53rd week on the Hot 100. So very close. The weekend passes that mark by a week. That was its last and 20th total week for Radioactive in the top 10. Although hmm. the song went on to spend a record 87 <laughs> weeks. Okay. On the Hot 100 overall. 87. My lord. All right, fine. Well, so the weekend, you just have 30-odd more weeks to go. You can do it. <laughs> you got this. Lights lifts after the December 4th release of its new remix with Rosalia, which was released in celebration of the one-year anniversary of its original release. So it has some more zhuzh to, to keep it going with that Latin remix as well. Cut to December 2021, and we're celebrating the two-year anniversary with another <laughs> new remix uh, featuring an artist that we've never heard of because they're going to debut in a few months. Who knows? <laughs> the 14-year-old artist who will take over next year. <laughs> the lights keep on shining. The glow <laughs> is just so burning. We're back um, around to the Festival of Lights in 2021, and the weekend's blinding lights is still in the top 10 of the Hot 100. <laughs> Okay, all right, here we go. Next one. Uh, Amir uh, Manraj uh, of Herndon, Virginia asks, which female artists and or girl groups have the most number one albums all time 
on the Billboard 200. Now, Gary has kindly pitched this one to me, saying, Keith, that's your chart, so have at it. Go nuts. (laughs) Indeed, it is my chart. So happy to do so, Gary, and here is your answer. Okay, let's go with every female artist that has had five number one albums, starting with those who have had five, and just five only so far. We have Miley Cyrus, Celine Dion, noted Celine Dion impersonator Ariana Grande, (laughs) and Alicia Keys. All of them have five number ones each. With six each, there's Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Lady Gaga, and Britney Spears. With seven, only Janet Jackson and Taylor Swift. As of this recording. I was going to (laughs) say... We don't know yet if Evermore is her eighth, correct? We don't know, but we can probably assume she has a Strong pretty good shot. shot. Strong so, shot. So keep that in mind. She could be having eight number ones by the time you hear this. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> now, uh, Madonna is next with nine number ones. And then leading all women with the most number one albums on the Billboard 200 is Barbara Streisand with 11. So there you go. Uh, And what about girl groups? If we only looked at groups comprised entirely of women, the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, and the Supremes are tied with three each. The only other all-female acts with more than one number one album are Danity Kane and Destiny's Child, who each have two number one albums. I think it might surprise people that A, Destiny's Child only has two number one albums, and B, that they have the same amount of number one albums as Danity Kane. You know? Just as far as the uh, span of their uh, respective careers, not even, no shade. I love Danity Kane. Well, that was a good question because it has yeah. a super fascinating answer. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, this is a fun one, and while not really a proper question posed to ask Billboard, it was a question that is exceptionally fitting for us. So Universal Music Group via Twitter at UMG asks, name a song that didn't go to number one, but feels like it did. <laughs> okay. Um, well, okay. So Katie, what song or songs do you feel like should have been number one on the Hot 100 or you thought they were number one or maybe you don't even know it. Like, I can quickly look up to see where they peaked at on the Hot 100 mm-hmm. and either confirm or deny, oh, yeah, that was a number one, or no, it wasn't. So it's not necessarily, like, what you thought maybe should have gone number one, because you may not actually know what was number one. I mean, I, in theory, should know what most of the number ones are off the top of my head. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, there two things come to mind immediately, and the first one um, was Sia's Chandelier, which was such a massive song. And I think had crazy staying power because of the music video. And I don't know if we were counting music video streams at that point toward the charts. So that might have had something to do with it. I don't know. It peaked to number uh, eight, by the way. Yes, it only got to number eight. And I know this because I did research on it when um, it was one of our songs that defined the decade that we wrote about last year. Or this, oh my God, this year. But it was a million years ago. And we were including YouTube by that point, by the way. Okay, so... Just surprising to me that that one was number one. And then there's the artist who got her first number one this year, finally, who was Nicki Minaj. And not only does Nicki have her own massive hits, I think the number one thing that would come to people's mind is Super Bass. 
but she also has been featured on so many massive songs by massive artists that the fact that this one remix by Doja Cat in the year 2020 is her first and only, oh, not, not anymore only, right? Didn't she have Trolls with 6ix9ine uh, six, nine. Six, nine yeah. as well this year? So the fact that she got her first two number ones on the Hot 100 this year and that's it is bonkers to me as an artist. Yeah, no, she she was sort of famously in a way like one of the most successful singles artists on the Hot 100 that had never had a number one. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Super Bass hit number three, uh, Starships hit number five, you know, Bang Bang with Ariana Grande and Jesse J went to number three. Anaconda was number two. Um, <laughs> it was just. It hurts like, your heart. <laughs> it, I, I mean, it, it, it does when when it's just like, oh, so close. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's not it's not uh, unlike Selena Gomez. Also, she got her first number one. Uh, not it was this it was last year but for her album rare that just came out right yeah it was lose you to love me right yeah yeah Yeah. so um gary i asked gary you know what did you know what is a song that he feels was a number one but it wasn't he suggested bruce springsteen's dancing in the dark it's actually the boss's highest charting single it spent four weeks at number two in 1984 um, and during that four week span it spent one week behind duran duran's the reflex and three weeks behind Prince's When Doves Cry. Um, and it, it feels like Bruce is now the number one most obvious answer to if somebody asks you who doesn't have a number one Hot 100 hit, who you think would. Yeah. Well, I mean, he. I'll, I'll tell you this. He's. He, what's interesting is that he sang on a number one hit because he well, is. Can I guess? Uh, sure. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because I know he wrote... Um, he wrote that Manfred Mann song. Is that what it is? Blinded by the Light? No, I don't think he oh. actually sang on that, but he did write okay. it. So he has a okay. writing credit at number one. Okay. So what's the singing credit? We Are the World. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are the world. We are the children. Should I do my Bob Dylan too? Yeah. Yes, please. Oh, Bob Dylan doesn't have a number one on the Hot 100 either. Mm. It's that's he According to our gallery on Billboard.com. He does not have a Hot 100 number one. Well, then I'll trust Billboard.com. I'm going <laughs> to go with that. I think you wrote that. <laughs> I think I probably did. Um, all right. So I have some others just because I love playing this game. Um, I suggested The Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. Mm. Uh, it was never released as a commercial single back in the day when it was required that you needed a commercially available single, like something you could actually buy. Uh, in order to chart on the Hot 100. Same with other Beatles songs like While My Guitar Gently Weeps and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, A really spectacularly non-number one smash hit was Lady Gaga's Bad Romance, (laughs) which spent seven non-consecutive weeks at number two and was in the top three on the chart for 11 straight weeks. You might be wondering, well, what in the world was number one that Lady Gaga just couldn't get past? Well... For three of those weeks, it was stuck behind Empire State of Mind at number one by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. And then for four weeks, it was behind Kesha's TikTok. Yeah. Um, another one close to me and Katie's heart, Jennifer Lopez is Waiting for Tonight. It's a song that has become so like intrinsically linked with J-Lo. Mm-hmm. Like, she performs it in every concert. She did it at the Super Bowl. It's just everyone knows J-Lo Waiting for Tonight. It peaked at number eight 
Well, and also her first single as a pop star, If You Had My Love, was number one. True. And and I think if you ask people to choose between those two which one went to number one, I think a lot of people would pick Waiting For Tonight because of its like lasting, staying power. That's the thing. You know, sometimes songs um, kind of outlast their initial charting record. Yeah. You know, a great example of this would be Journeys Don't Stop Believin'. That wasn't a number one hit. Uh, uh, Don't Stop Believin' reached number huh, nine in 1981. But then yeah. it had a pop culture renaissance, you know, thanks to The Sopranos and Glee and everything else that just turned into one of the most enduring classic songs of the 80s. But whoever thought that it would be what it is now in 1981 when it was just, oh, this is the current single from the band Journey and it reached number nine. Yay. <laughs> um I have a few others, if you don't mind, Katie. Well, you did make you did um, strike one memory in me. I hmm. I remember um, Ed Sheeran was at number two for a long time, and I remember he eventually got to number one with Perfect. But I feel like with uh, Thinking Out Loud, he was trapped at number two and never took that to number one, right? Oh yeah, he was at okay. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight weeks at number two. Whoa. And so I, I feel like I have two guesses of what song it was, but was it um was it uh the Fast and the Furious song? The Wiz Khalifa, Charlie Puth? Um no, no. was was it Desp it wasn't Despacito because that'd be too So what nope. song was it trapped behind? Uptown Funk. Uh, oh yes, well that'd be a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. I mean when it's like when it's like two phenomenons up against one another or like one like it's like when everything went up against Old Town Road. Or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, well, how in the world do you, you just can't. It's just yep. so enormous. <laughs> it's like pity, pity any album that came out against like Titanic or like, yeah. you know, a Drake album or Thriller in the 80s. It's like, yeah, yep. it's nice to know. Yeah, I'll just be number two. Cool, 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 whatever. <laughs> Did you, Um, I, I had a couple other ones and then we can move on. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that a single that you would swear was number one because it's been just so long lasting and so iconic in this band's career wasn't number one. And that would be the Rolling Stones Start Me Up. It got close. It reached number two for three weeks. You'll never guess what it was stuck behind. Uh, Katie can't <laughs> play this game because it's on the script, but I, I'm still, I'm looking at it and I still can't believe it. <laughs> so for one week, it was behind Christopher Cross's Arthur's theme, Best That You Can Do, and two weeks behind Daryl Hall and John Oates' Private Eyes. Amazing. Uh, and then I'll close this, unless Katie has some more suggestions. He'll close it appropriately enough with... Madonna. <laughs> two of Madonna's songs that you'd swear were number one hits weren't. Material Girl and Express Yourself both stalled out at number two. Charts. 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 You know, it's just it's it's just the way the numbers shake out. It's just know? what's most popular that week. So there you are. It's just that's just the way it is. I mean, I could also <laughs> go into a whole diatribe about Into the Groove, one of Madonna's probably greatest dance singles ever, never even charted on the Hot 100 because it was never released properly as a like official commercial single in the United States of America. I will not go on a tangent, but I what one slight question is, you know, a lot of um movies have done the like uh uh have taken into account inflation for box office and figured out like what actually are the most popular movies of all time. I know that with our greatest of all time list, we try to like have yeah. an algorithm, right? Yeah, we already and did so, that. Yeah. 
but it makes it makes me wonder about like adjusting for inflation on some of these songs that for instance did not get a proper commercial release um you know that that kept them out of uh out of contention but that oh. if you looked at their numbers what they actually would have been on a hot 100 chart that week that they came out you know what i mean Oh, well. Or whatever. Or their like, biggest week. Sounds like you want to become a chart manager for Billboard and start making <laughs> up some new charts. This is I've been angling for this chart manager position this whole time. This That's is what why. happens when you sit next to me in the office for too <laughs> exactly. long. You're like, you Osmosis. know, I have, this, I have this amazing idea for a chart, Keith. And you're like, you do? Go at it. Have at it. Um, uh, we wanted to say thank you, though, speaking of chart managers, to Gary Truss for helping out with this very special Ask Billboard slash Ask the Pop Shop crossover episode. And again, if you ever want to submit a question to the recurring Ask Billboard column on Billboard.com, all you have to do is email askbb at Billboard.com or tweet Gary on Twitter at GTHOT20. All right, and now it's time for 2020's final chart stat of the week. 1941. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor. A date which will live in infamy. This is Bob Command Performance Hope. Telling each Nazi that's in Russia today that Crimea doesn't pay. Nearly 21 years ago, Kimmy G hit the top 10 on the Hot 100 with his version of a song you'll likely be hearing in a few days, or maybe you heard it a few days ago, depending on when you listen to this show, Old Lang Syne. The saxophonist's rendition of the standard reached number 7 on the Hot 100 dated January 8th, 2000. Kimmy's version of Old Lang Syne was first released on his 1999 album, Faith, a holiday album. The song was then released as a commercially available single and with a remixed version of the song dubbed the Millennium Mix because, you know, it was the end of the millennium. That remix featured wall-to-wall snippets of audio recordings of news highlights of the century, which was about to come to a close on December 31st, 1999. Among the snippets were moments from radio broadcasts, TV news broadcasts, you know, moments from film and TV that sort of thing. So you actually, when you listen to it, you felt this like, you know, sort of momentous, oh, the, the century is ending kind of vibe. A little time capsule. Yeah. I actually listened to it, you know, in preparation for this. It's like seven or eight minutes long. It's a bit long. Um, buoyed by the remix, uh, the song hit, num- I mean, it's long, but you know, it's it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, right. Buoyed by the remix, the song hit number 40 on the Pop Songs Airplay chart, number three on the Adult Contemporary Songs chart, Uh, Number 31 on the all-format radio songs chart, and of course, as I said, number 7 on the Hot 100. Auld Lang Syne remains Kinney's second-highest charting song on the Hot 100 and just second top 10 behind Songbird, which peaked at number 4 in 1987. So, there you have it. 21 years ago, Auld Lang Syne was helping close out the year and start a new one on the charts, thanks to Kenny G. All right, we've reached the end of 2020. We've reached the end of this big show. Uh, uh, thank you, Katie, for another amazing year of Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, for filling in for many, many months on many, my behalf. Many months. Um, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary, for this week's show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and subscribing. Thank you, thank you Paul Grind, for always listening. Thank you, Paul. We know you're we appreciate there. Appreciate you. This will be the one week he's not listening. <laughs> well, we'll we will know if we don't hear from ah, him. Ah, <laughs> there we go. It's like we gave you a shout out and you didn't say anything. 
Um, all right. So, uh, any do, would you do you have any parting words? Like this, this would be the correct week if you did have parting words. This is it. <laughs> I I would just like to just say thank you to the people who have been listening for all these years to Keith and I just talking, and it's been especially fun for Keith and I to connect this way this year given that we are not in the same office anymore. So, you know, what are you going to do? So we can at least look at each other and have these chats that we used to have probably too often in the office. It actually works (laughs) out. It's probably a little bit better this way. I don't don't take away too much of your time anymore. Uh, That's not fun, though. I I have a good, possibly sort of ironic song that we should go out on. Ironic by Alanis Morissette? No. Okay. It's my favorite New Year's song, which is um, Harry Connick Jr. singing What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? Which we all know what we're all doing, and it's at home. But at the same time, at home listening to Harry Connick Jr. We can still hear a pretty song. We'll go out on that, and uh, we'll see you guys in 2021. Bye. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.